I can't remember the last time I did it. I think it was a long time ago. Uh, there's nothing I haven't done sometime <laughs> after all these years. But the uh, book of Joshua is one that we haven't done, I don't think, for quite a long time. So uh, we're going to begin today the book of Joshua. And you say, well, here's this old historical book in the Bible. What good is that? How are we going to learn anything about life by studying the history of some group of people? And this particular group are the ones who came in and made war in the what was called the Promised Land. And uh, how does that help us today? Well, uh, as I mentioned the other day, we have God's gifts that come to us. Uh, some come right now. As soon as we ask for them, we have them. Uh, we are forgiven the minute we ask. God forgives us. Uh, God gives us the spirit in our heart as soon as we ask. And then we have also become part of God's family. We become one of God's children as soon as we ask God to be in our heart and forgive us. And those are gifts that come immediately, right away. And there are some of God's gifts that come later on. Of course, we'll go to heaven. We're all going, but later on, all right? When we get a new body, but later on, not right now. As a matter of fact, there's a whole lot of things that are going to happen to us later on that are really going to be staggering. Things the Bible says you, you can't think can't tell you because you couldn't grasp it. It's too wonderful to grasp. So those are things coming later on. God gives you some now, some later. But then there are gifts of God that you have to possess. You have to take them. You have to find a way to gain them. Uh, character development. Character development is one of those things. And we have to work on that and try to possess those things and get a hold of them. Uh, nobody's just going to give it to you. You've got to reach out and get a hold of it and take it. And those are things that you have to do. Character development is on that list. And uh, other things are on that list too. The things that we have to possess. And so to do that uh, are certain ways that we have to behave. And a lot of times, what I have seen is that people are forgiven. They ask God, and he forgives them, as he promises to. And then what's next? Well, nothing's next. <laughs> uh, they, they don't worry about it after that. And I grew up around people who uh, um, would say every time there was a testimony time I thank God for my salvation and they've been saying that for 30 years because they didn't have nothing else they didn't have anything else they never went any farther than that so they would cry they cry oh I thank God for my salvation well we got to get past that <laughs> that's good to be thankful for uh, but uh, you can't say I thank God for my salvation my salvation then be mean and nasty and bad tempered all the time. And that's the kind of thing that we got to possess. And some people didn't. I mean, there, we have bad habits that we've got to uh, get rid of. All right? Bad habits have got to go. Those are things that we have to learn to take those things. We have to work at those things. And so, in the book of Joshua, here they come. What are they doing? They're possessing the land. They're going into that property and they're saying, we're going to take this property. And there's a lot of things that happen uh, where they fail, where they have trouble, where they have trials because there's things that they haven't paid attention to. So uh, possessing, learning to take the things that God has saying, all right, you can have these if you come and get them. You're going to have to take them. You're going to have to work on them. I expect you to work on those things. And uh, 
and not just sit by and say, well, I'm going to heaven, I'm all set. No, it's not what the Christian life is all about. Jesus talks about it constantly, about how we're going to grow up as Christians. And so possessing the land and going through the mistakes that they made and the successes that they had is a way to help us to learn that the thing, some of the things that God is going to give us we're going to have to take, right? We're going to have to work on those things and work together and take those things. And so uh, it's those gifts that come from God by our effort and by our working on things. And how do we do it? How do we work on those things? How do you improve your character? Well, there's ways to do it, and they're going to be opened up to us in the book of Joshua. So it's not just a little history lesson, although it is a history lesson. It's also a way, how do we live a life where God says, all right, there's the promises. Go get them. You've got to get them. I want you to go in and get them. The promised land is there. You've got to go get it. And so <clears throat> the purpose of the book is to make us grow up and see the pitfalls that stop us and hinder us from getting the things that we should be gaining and developing our lives. And so uh, it's a pretty valuable book. And the little stories that we read along the way, each one has some lesson in it so that you and I learn, all right, how are we going to uh, take this promise of God? Uh, well, you know, you're going to have to work at it. So Joshua is the author. That's why it's called Joshua, most likely. He's the main character. But uh, it ought to start not in Joshua, but in Deuteronomy. So turn to Deuteronomy. Because the last chapter of Deuteronomy uh, is written, everybody thinks, by Joshua. And I agree with it, because Moses wasn't around to write it. And so... Uh, with that in mind, here's Joshua uh, writing an introduction to his life. This is what he's saying happened. And it's a very important event that happens, and it's the death of Moses. So uh, if we look at uh, Deuteronomy 34, we're leading up. This is Joshua writing what happened. And what happened is really pretty amazing. So let's take a look and see what leads up to Joshua. And now you've got a real challenge for you and I. Here we go. Chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, the last chapter of Deuteronomy before we get to Joshua. Moses went up to the plains of Moab to the mountain of Nebo, top of Pisgah. We sing this song, right? From Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise uh, to gain the everlasting prize. Shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer talked about when we die and go to heaven. Well, that's what's happening. He's going up to the top of Pisgah, top of the high mountain there. It's over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead, unto Dan, all of Naphtali, land of Ephraim, Manasseh, all the land of Judah to the utmost sea to the south, the plain, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zor. So he can see from Pisgah all the way over to the Mediterranean. So if we make a map, and I will use it quite a bit, we have the Mediterranean Sea. Of course, down here is Egypt, okay? And up here is the Sea of Galilee. We have the Jordan River, which becomes important. And we got the Dead Sea here. And uh, um, Pisgah is somewhere a mountain range right here, right along the uh, edge. And he can look over into the promised land. He can look back at all this property here. He can see all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. Right? And so he looks over this property, the promised land. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land, verse 4, which I swear to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go 
over there. I said, I want you to look at it, take a nice look at it, enjoy it. You're not going. You're not allowed to go. The reason he wasn't allowed to go, because he lost his temper. Oh, could that happen? You mean we could lose our temper and lose something? It's the point of Joshua in the book. All right, so Moses, uh, they get to a place where there's no water. And God says to Moses, the last time when we had no water, you took your stick and you hit that rock. And it broke open and we had millions of gallons of water. Now, this rock, you're going to talk to the rock. So when you get up there, you just say, okay, rock, water. And that's what I want you to do. Moses got so mad at the people. And I don't blame him. I'd rather hit the people than the rock myself. They were horrible. All right. But he took that stick and he hit that rock and he hit it. And then the water came out. And God said, you just lost the promised land. Why? Because the rock that is struck is only to be struck once. Jesus is the rock that was struck on the cross only once. So he's trying to teach people about Jesus. He's going to be struck once. The rock is struck. All right. But never again. Never again. And Moses struck the rock and he said, I told you not to do that. Now you've lost the promised land. And he takes him up there right at the end. Take a look. You know, I want you to see it. But you're not going in. Verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, that's God, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. So Moses sees the land. And God said, how do you like it? It was beautiful. All right, okay. Now you're going to lay down and die, and I'm going to bury you myself. And God buried Moses, and no one ever knew where he was. And the reason for that was because he was such an extraordinary character that they would have worshipped his bones forever. He was an extraordinary character. Now, take a look. See how extraordinary he was. Verse 7. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. I am not 120, but my eye is dimmer, and my natural force has abated. All right? In other words, we're feeling the effects of age as it comes on us. Moses did not. He's 120 years old, perfect condition, perfect eyesight. He's He's a perfect specimen of health. Well then why did he die? Because God said it's over. You're done. You did your part. You made a mistake or two along the way. You're mostly connected with your bad temper. Uh, But you are done here so we're going to just let you die. And we say well poor old Moses he went to let everybody there and did all the work and then what happened to him? He just died. Well He does go to the promised land. Anybody know when? Bible scholars. Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, he's transfigured and this begins to shine. His God parts come out and he begins to shine and all of a sudden there's Moses there. So Moses got to go to the promised land and talk with Jesus. All right. So it's not like God saying, naughty, naughty Moses, I'm going to punish you forever. All right. Not, God's not like that. All right. But he did get punished and he stopped at 120 years old, although there's nothing wrong with him. Verse 8, and the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. Now, so Here's a guy with an extraordinary lifestyle. He lives 120 years old, perfect health, first of all, which is is amazing. All right. Um, He starts serving God at 80 years old. 
made a few attempts when he was under 40, uh, but he murdered the slave driver and ran for 40 years in hiding into the desert. Right, then what does he do? Well, um, down in verse 11, notice this, verse 10. Uh, there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. No, I thought nobody could see God's face. Didn't we just have that lesson a couple days ago? Can't see God's face. All right. And so he didn't really see God's face. And God said, Moses is on Mount Sinai. I want to see your face. Well, you can't. You'll die. So he stuck him in a cleft of the rock. And so there's a hole in a rock. He puts him in there and it says God put his hand over it. And God went by and went away. And so he could just peek out, see him leaving. He didn't see him face to face. But he knew God face to face. And that's what's extraordinary. And, and one of the things that happened is really amazing. Exodus, and this is nobody else ever like this before. And he said, Moses, nobody ever like him. And here's why. Exodus 34, verse 29. He's up on the mount talking to God. Exodus 34, 29. It came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked to him. So Moses talked with God up on the mountain until his face she was shining. The only one ever felt like that was God himself, Jesus. His face shone. But here's Moses and his skin is shining. <laughs> My skin don't shine. I don't think yours does either. All right? God did something pretty special with Moses. He talked with him just for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, all right? And he spent a lot of time with him, so he knew God very well. And after that, <coughs> he comes into Egypt, goes into Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, I don't have to listen to you or your God. And so Moses changed the water in the Nile River into blood. Moses covered the whole land of, of Egypt with lice. Mm. Right? Moses covered the whole land of Egypt with locusts. Moses covered the whole land of Egypt with frogs till they all died and the place stunk. All the cattle died in Egypt under Moses. Moses brought boils on the Egyptians until they were covered with big sores all over their body. Moses brought a darkness into Egypt that was so dark they couldn't leave their homes. They couldn't move around even with a light. They couldn't see. Uh, Moses covered the land of Egypt with flies. Moses made the hail and thunderstorm come so that the thunder it says the lightning came and ran on the ground and went back up again, which is a pretty violent storm. All right? And then every firstborn in Egypt died under Moses. That's quite a record. That's ten things he did leading the children of Israel out. And then he takes them and they go over the Red Sea. He holds his rod over the Red Sea and the Red Sea parts and they go over. He gets over in the desert with, a, with over a million people. They got no water. He strikes the rock and brings a whole river right out of the ground. He asks for manna. God sends manna every day. And every day they're picking up manna on the ground. And uh, he has some people who try to defy him. And so he, Moses says, move away from those people. Everybody moves away and the ground goes. Whoosh, and they're buried alive 100 feet down under the sand. This guy is really something. I mean, can you imagine watching him 
and going with him, seeing all the things he does. Besides that, he makes the tabernacle. He goes to God, gets instructions. Here's how you build the tabernacle. Here's how you build the Ark of the Covenant. Here's how you make your sacrifice. Here's how your priests are going to behave. All that comes from Moses. At 120 years old, he's in perfect condition, and he walked away and never came back. And you say to Josh, okay, you're next. <laughs> That's a tough act to follow. How are you going to stand up and lead after somebody like that? And that's what I'm sure was on his mind. All right. Verse 9. Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And children of Israel hearkened unto him as did the Lord commanded Moses. As did as the Lord commanded Moses. And so uh, Moses took Joshua and he puts his hands on him. He said, I'm telling you people, this is your leader now. And then he walked away and never came back. This is the guy who's going to lead you in. So what did, what did he get to do? What made him special, Joshua? Well, <clears throat> um, they come out of Egypt under Moses. They cross the Red Sea. They go to the Mount Sinai. They cross the Red Sea, freedom from slavery. Go to Mount Sinai. They get instructions from God how to make a God-centered government. They had a God-centered government. All right? There were people in early America who wanted to make a God-centered government. Understand that. And somebody came along and said, well, we've got to have separation of church and state. And they said, why? Because the state has no power over the church and never can have. And so we're going to divide church and state. Now that whole meaning has been switched around today, and they say, well, uh, the church and the state are separate, so we never can have any church ideas in the state. It's backwards from the intended thing. In the beginning of America, they intended it to be a God-centered government, and that's what they wanted. They wanted the, the moral uh, foundation for government to come from God. And they said the, the state can never have precedence over the church. Now they say, well, they're just separate, so keep your God away from us. We're running the government. All right, so it's backwards. Back here, Moses set up a God-centered government. It's an extraordinary thing to do. And uh, then he takes them and leads them right over here, ready to go into the promised land. And so he sends in a spy from each tribe, 12 tribes, and one of the spies is Joshua. And Joshua <coughs> is told, go in and spy out the land and check it out. So there's 12 of them. Joshua and Caleb are two, and there's 10 others. They come back with a stick on their shoulder. There's two men. They're carrying a stick, and they're carrying a bunch of grapes so big that you've got to have a stick and two men to carry a bunch of grapes. Now, I've seen big bunches of grapes. i never seen one like that. This land was flowing with milk and honey. The cow's udders were so full, the milk ran on the ground. The, the, the bees had such big hives, it came dripping off the rocks. It was a beautiful, wonderful land. And they bring back a, a thing of grapes. It takes two men to carry. They said, well, what did you think of the place? Well, we got these grapes and there's milk and honey and everything. But 10 of them say, we can't go in there. Can't go in there. There's giants, people, big, huge giants. And we can't go in there. We want to go home. We want to go back to Egypt. And they whined and cried. Joshua and Caleb stood up and said, no, 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 no. Come on. Let's go in. God is here to help us. Let's go in. 
And finally God said, I've had it with these people. They've been complaining since they left Egypt. And they won't stop. They won't trust me. So they're not going in. So anybody who uh, was under 20 could live. But that whole generation from 20 and up was buried out in the wilderness. God said, I'm not taking them in. I've had it with them. Let them go die in the wilderness. And so Moses and the crew wandered out in this wilderness desert and kept burying people day after day after day until the only three people left from that generation was Moses, who's 120, Joshua, and Caleb. Only three left. Everybody in the whole generation died and was buried under the sand. Joshua was one of them. So because he said, you can take the land as the first spies, God's not going to let him live. And then God chooses him. And one of the things that, that the Bible says that when Moses went up on Sinai, it was smoke, fire, heavy clouds, and he went right up into that cloud and talked to God. Well, it tells us that he heard noise in the camp, and so he came down the mountain a little bit, and Joshua was up there, too. Joshua didn't go all the way to the top with Moses, but he went part way up, and he waited 40 days for Moses. And so he had that extraordinary Experience And so here God says, uh, Joshua is going to lead you, pay attention, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, if you go back a little, he's, he uh, is going to be told here, uh, Deuteronomy 31 verse 3, the Lord thy God, he will go over with thee, he will destroy those nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord has said. So Moses tells them, Joshua is going to lead you into the promised land. Now it's a tough act to follow. And you say, how would you like to be Joshua? It's like Billy Graham. Who, who preaches like Billy Graham? Nobody preaches like Billy Graham. So his son comes up and says, hey, he looks like Billy Graham. He's not Billy Graham. Tough act to follow. Hard act to follow. Franklin Graham has created his own ministry and done very well with it. It's a different ministry than Billy Graham had. So here's the point. Was God leading Moses all the way? Yeah, it was God's plan. All right. God said, I got Moses. We're going to use him. He's going to lead you up to the promised land. All right. And then does he say, well, Moses is gone. I don't know what you're going to do next. <laughs> That's not how God works. God has somebody ready to step in. All right? So if I go out and get hit by a car tonight and I'm dead, don't say, oh, no, we're never going to make it. Oh, yes, we are. God knows. God has people prepared and ready. All right. God has done that, and he's always going to do that. It's just his work. So he is not tied to people all right, in order to get his plan done. He's got a plan. What happens when Moses dies? I'm all set. We got Joshua. Is he Moses? No, he's not Moses. No, but he's just the guy we need, and we'll see as it we go along how much that unfolds. And so uh, God's work is able to go on. Uh, Joshua is the man to do it. He has been chosen, number one, by God, and he has been prepared by God. All right? God isn't limited by men's inability. He's not tied to any one particular person. All right? So there is preparation necessary. Thus we begin the book of Joshua. Right? And Joshua's writing this about himself, and he's going to explain to us uh, how it was, what did it feel like when Moses died? Well, 
If you had to fill Moses' shoes, your, your knees would be knocking together. You're trying to put the shoes on. He's a tough, tough guy to follow. So let's see what happened. Chapter 1 of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to thee, them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses. And so he's got to go over. He's got, uh, he's going to be honored. You're going to be the leader. You're going to have honor as the leader, but your honor has got to come to be work. You have got to cover that land. Where are we going to cover it? Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even to the great river, to the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea going down towards the down of the sun shall be your coast. That's pretty interesting. Now, here's Israel. The borders of Israel would be actually a little bit like that. And that's it. Along the Mediterranean Sea, there's a group of people called the Philistines. They have all that property. I thought Joshua just got given that property. Sure, he said all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. You know what else he said? The Euphrates River. Way over here, there's a river. Famous river called the Euphrates. And it flows all the way down uh, till you get to um, the Persian Gulf. So down here is the Persian Gulf. And God said, from the Euphrates to the Mediterranean, it's all yours. But you got to get your foot on every bit of it. Where your foot goes, you can have it. His foot didn't go everywhere. He had a lot of work to do. All right? And so, to, with honor, leadership comes work. And I pity sometimes young fellows going into the ministry who never had to work. <laughs> Time to work, fellas. Time to go to work. And I've seen them. They think, well, I got Monday off and Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't have to do much. And, you know, no, no. We got to work. Without work, there's no honor. You got to possess that land. You got to go everywhere. And he did, he worked hard, no question. But all the borders that God gave him were never filled. All right, so he's had a lot of work to do. He said, go in, you've got to fight for every bit of ground wherever your foot touches. And always remember that the promises of God were larger than what they possessed. Same going to be for you and I. God says, I want you to have things. I want you to have peace in your heart. I want you to have joy in your heart. I want you to feel the goodness of God inside of you. I want you to know those things. I want you to have a private life with God. I want you to have those things. You need to have them. And I promise you, you can have them if you come and get them. All right? Very seldom does anybody cover all the ground that's promised. All right. Let's go see verse 5. There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And so he has uh, work to do, but he has encouragement. And God doesn't ask us to work and say, well, I hope it goes all right for you. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. I'm going with you into the land. I'll do things that you can never imagine. I'm coming with you into the land. Will you trust me? And so I don't ask you to do work without encouraging you in the work. 
and so uh, I'm going to be with you. No one will ever stand before you. And that's a very positive feeling. And the leader is very positive. How do I know we can go? Because God's with us. He's with us. He's going to help us. He's not going to abandon us. Let's go on, verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So let's go. Verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Thou mayest prosper therein wherever thou goest. All right, so he said, I expect you to obey. Moses gave you the rules and the laws, the sacrifices, the priesthood, all of those things. I expect you to do what he said. Don't go to the right or left. Just do what he said. You've got to obey. And so when we're possessing the things that God wants us to, there's the rule of it. You must obey. You can't say, well, I, I can tell a little lie now and then. I can do it. No, you can't. Not if you want to possess the land. So he says, uh, you've got to obey. It's very important that you obey. And here's the next part, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do according all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so you need to study, meditate. I expect you, he says, to study regularly why you're here tonight. We study regularly. And what does God say about study? Study says in the New Testament, Paul wrote, study to show thyself what? Approved unto God. So how do you get God's approval? You study the Bible. That seems like Logical thing, right? If you don't know, never open the book, never read it, never study it, then don't expect to possess the good thing. He says, Joshua, I expect you to be thinking about it day and night. Don't forget it. This is what you got to think about. You got to think about the Bible. And that was the first five books Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You say, Those aren't the most exciting books in the world. That's what he had to think about day and night. All right, and so th those are the things that create hard work. Hard work is part of gaining the things that God wants us to have. You can't do it by being lazy. God's promises are there with us to make a positive attitude in our going ahead. You got to obey what God says. You got to study. Remember, it was a thing in. Ripley's, believe it or not, when I was a kid, I liked it. It said, why study? The more you study, the more you know. The more you know, the more you can forget. The more you can forget, the more you do forget. The more you do forget, the less you know. <laughs> Just a little play on words, right? Uh, we study to know and to learn. And so we're going to gain those things that God wants to give to us. So he's, here's Joshua's rules. You got to work. You got a lot of work to do ahead of you. Let's go. All right. I'm with you. I'll stay with you. I'll help you through. You do what I ask you to do, and you keep studying, and you'll do all right. You get God's approval. All right. So there's more land promised to them than they ever got. And you know, think about the reason for that. Uh, uh, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He keeps repeating to, to Joshua over and over and over, be courageous. Be courageous. 
says it over and over to him again. Don't be afraid. So, Joshua, you're going to have to make part of your character. No fear. You cannot get possess the land if you're full of fear. And fear is something that we got to watch out for, too. Think about it now. Moses led them out of Egypt to Sinai, up to the promised land. Why didn't they get it? Fear. Fear. They saw these people, and they were big. I mean, you know, Goliath was almost 10 feet tall. He's huge. You know, <laughs> he's looking up at a guy like that. And there were other giants in the land. They saw him and they said, we can't go in there. Are you kidding? Those guys are huge. How are we going to win that battle against those people? <clears throat> and they were afraid. And that fear kept them out of the promised land. They died. Christians cannot live in fear. We have got to overcome it. How do you live without fear? The COVID world thrives on fear. Absolutely thrives on fear. And all around us, and somebody says, well, what if I get COVID? So does that mean God won't be with you if you get COVID? Is that what it means? Well, what if I have those extenuating circumstances and then I get COVID? So is God not with you then? There's a point of understanding what Joshua's about to step into. He's got to say, God is with me the whole way. It ain't going to be easy. Yeah, there's giants in there. There's a whole, a whole family of them on this one mountain, and they're, and they're huge. So what are you going to do? Be afraid of them? No, I'm not going to be afraid. I got God with me. And if, and if we go to war and some of us die, is that because God's not with us? No, no. If we get COVID, does that mean God's not with us? No. And so fear is a very powerful force. And uh, they could not possess the land because of fear. And so he's telling Joshua, don't be afraid. I'm telling you, you cannot be afraid. You must get over all fear. The purpose of possessing what I've promised you. That's what the, this is about. And you won't survive it if you're afraid. And in our world that we live in, they're afraid of everything. They are fearful. We're very fearful people. We should not be afraid. We don't have to be foolish. They say fools rush in where angels fear to tread. All right? <laughs> I mean, uh, nobody needs to be foolish and say, well, I'm not afraid. No, but we do need to be not afraid. Take what comes. God is with us. That's a very pressing thought sometimes on my mind. I think of the old hymn, Abide With Me. Right? Abide with me, fast falls the evening dies. The darkness deepens. Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, abide with me. Stay with me. Can I trust you, God, to be with me? Of course, he says, I promise, my promise, I'll never leave you. If I get COVID, I'll... I'm not going to leave you. I'll be with you. So what, you've got to learn to be courageous. And, and Joshua's going in to sometimes very perilous situations. Sometimes it would be completely impossible situations. What's he going to do? He's going to say, i got God with me. Here I go. Let's go. I am not afraid. And he's a very unusual man because he is not afraid. And he will stand out as a great leader. And so, verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host. Command the people, saying, Prepare your rituals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. 
You can have this property. God said you can have it. We got to go over, cross that river there, and in three days we're going over. Get your food ready. Get yourself ready to go. In verse 12, to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word that the Moses, the Lord, servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God has given you rest, has given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, and all the mighty men of valor, and help them till the Lord has given your brethren rest as he has given you. They have and they have also possessed the land which God, Lord your God, giveth them. And you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave to you this side of the Jordan. And so what happened was when they came up to this side of the Jordan River, and they're coming up through, there's a couple of pretty strong nations right there. <coughs> and... Two fellows named Og and Bashan. One was famous for having a huge giant bed. <laughs> the Bible says he had a bed that was so big you can't imagine how big it was. I think it was bigger than our king-sized bed. All right? Here's a guy who had a famous for a giant bed. Because he's a great big huge guy. And so Joshua on that side of Jordan before they crossed the river takes on these two kings, wipes them out, and they have 60 cities that they take over on that side of the Jordan. So he says, take those cities, take your wives and your children, go up there and settle down, and then you get yourself back here. We got work to do. You're coming with us. Now you're going to get this property over here, but you're going to stick with us and work with us. And so, uh, that verse 16, they answered Joshua, saying, All thou hast commanded us, we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken to Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. And may the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment will not hearken to thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So they say, we're with you, Moses. And that's where the people of God stick together. That's the right thing to do. These three, uh, two and a half tribes are over there. They got the, the best grazing land. That was great grazing land. And they had big flocks. So they said, we'd like to <laughs> graze on this land. And God's okay, you can do it as long as you help everybody else. So in the work of the Lord, we help each other, we help everybody else, and we stick together to do that. And the people say, we're going to follow you like we did Moses. Just make sure God's with you. And if one of our guys complains and says he's against you, we'll just kill him. <laughs> no, I don't recommend that anymore, okay? Sometimes people aren't with us. But uh, back then, it was a serious business. We're going to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And so uh, we are not afraid. Let's go. Let's go over into the promised land. Fear is a funny thing. Fear is a funny thing. It comes back and nips at our heels. It'll come back, and they're going to get a little taste of it before long. All right? But in the beginning Joshua was told over and over, don't be afraid. I need you not to be afraid. All right? So possess. Possess the land. What hinders you and what helps you and the pitfalls and the successes that you have are going to help everybody and help you and I so that we know how to get more than most people. We want to possess what God has promised us. There's great promises for us that we can have and uh, we don't need to stay uh, stifled and not get it. There it is. Come on, let's go get it. Let's possess the property. Possess what God has. So Joshua <coughs> taken over after Moses. Big step. Big step. 
Moses does everything he can to train him. He's now well trained. And he, though, is not Moses at all. He's somebody else. And we don't have to be a whole bunch of little soldiers. My mother used to sing a song, you know, in little boxes, remember? On the hillside, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look just the same. Or in other words, that in society, we like to have everything the same. Make all our leaders the same, make all the houses the same. Everything's all the same. We need people that are different. Joshua's coming along. He is not Moses. He is nothing like Moses. But he's the man for the hour. He's the guy we need. And so we look to people that God has raised up. And uh, are they hard workers? They better be. And do God's work. They'd be a hard worker. Uh, are they hanging on to those promises? Those promises are there. God promises. He'll help you. Don't give up on those promises. Remember, there was a great deal more promise than they ever took. So God has done exactly that for us. There's a lot of things you can have. A lot of things have been promised. How much do you want? This is how we start. Joshua, how much do you want? Want the whole thing? I'll take as much as I can get. I get all I, I keep working, get all we can get. And then we'll have more than we ever thought would be there. And that's of course in heaven. Bible says, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. So I never could tell you, because nobody could say it all. You never heard it because nobody could speak it. Uh, and uh, God says you never even thought it up in your wildest imagination. I got an imagination when I think about heaven. I can think of things, whoa, man, what, that be something. But in my wildest imagination, he said, you never thought of all that I could do. Now, the same is true on this side of life. You never thought of all that God could do for you. So we got to take it, possess it, and let it be ours. All right? That's the beginning of Joshua. Thank you.